Welcome, everybody. My name is Frank Elkins. I am the author of the How Things Work book series and the host of Untangling the Knots of Reality. And we've got some really interesting things to talk about today. Today, we'll be talking about metaphors, mathematics, and translating reality, which is quite a plateful for one podcast. So let's get started. I want to talk a little about language and mathematics. Both are essentially codes. In this podcast, all references to language are a direct reference to the English language, although these connections are not necessarily limited to only English. The grammatical restrictions built into the English language make it a limited code based on 26 symbols called the alphabet. The reason it is a limited code is because the rules of language limit the possible combinations of the code purposely so that it cannot be infinite. If the code was infinite, you couldn't use language to communicate ideas to other people. Language is specifically designed to restrict, define, and solidify possibility and potential to make the infinite finite, the perfect tool for translating subjectivity into objectivity. Essentially, language allows us to bring our thoughts and ideas into the physical world. Language is narrative and linear. It enables us to focus on one idea at a time, while still allowing us to connect other past and future ideas to the current idea being discussed. It is also temporal. Language brings the abstract ideas of the mind into the temporal, physical world. Language translates the infinite and abstract into the finite and concrete so that we can share and understand each other's thoughts and ideas, which are inherently conceptual and intangible. Language is specifically designed to communicate meaning. In language, particularly fiction, the essence of this meaning is often communicated through emotion as well as reason. Language connects ideas together through recognition and understanding, which is often built on previous recognition and understanding. When we don't understand a linguistic concept, we use another linguistic concept that we do understand to explain it. In English, this generally occurs through similes, analogies, and metaphors, all of which are, essentially, a kind of example. Language utilizes what we know, our own experience, as a way of understanding what we don't know. We, as human beings, have the unique ability to connect one experience to another, making it possible for us to get a sense of something we don't know, or haven't personally experienced ourselves, thereby allowing us to connect an abstract experience to a personal experience bringing the unrelatable abstraction into the realm of personal knowledge and understanding. Language is about relationship. Relationship is about meaning. Mathematics, on the other hand, is a code made up of only 10 symbols. However, there is no limit placed on the possible combinations and interconnections between these symbols, meaning its possible manifestations are essentially infinite. Just as language limits possibilities in order to communicate analog ideas, mathematics expands possibilities in order to communicate conceptual ideas, allowing for an infinite combination of numbers working in unison to create virtually unlimited potential for abstract possibility. 
Mathematics is a system of communication specifically designed to communicate eternal abstract concepts and ideas without leaving the world of abstraction. The world of abstraction is infinite. Unlike language, math communicates through pure reason, which is limitless. All relationships in math are mathematical. Emotion has nothing to do with these purely rational relationships. They reflect their own precise, methodical, empirical meaning. Mathematics is the language of science. Mathematics communicates through pure logical abstraction, based on a combination of ten numbers. Language utilizes a limited lexicon of words, consisting of 26 symbols, and communicates through metaphors. Essentially, that means that mathematics must be translated through language to communicate the abstract ideas that mathematics manifests. An idea not communicated through language cannot leave the world of abstraction and enter into the world of physical manifestation. Mathematics reflects the pure reason behind a concept or idea. However, language represents the mechanism that translates that abstraction into objective reality something we can actually define and talk about. Language is not necessary for a mathematician to formulate an abstract idea or theory. However, it is absolutely necessary if the mathematician wants to communicate that idea fully to the rest of the world. Language directly affects your relationship with reality. To a great extent, it actively defines it. Language reflects a tool designed to define and categorize all kinds of information, including objects, thoughts, ideas, theories, predictions, projections, and even abstractions. It is the tool that allows us to navigate the river of reality in the real world. Most importantly, language is the main factor that enables us to navigate it together with each other. Mathematics reflects a tool designed to expand the possibility of reality beyond the physical senses and the physical world. It is a tool that enables us to actually change our perception of reality, making it possible for us to consider new realities that we can choose to replace our old one. Mathematics involves a kind of knowledge and understanding that reflects an abstract reality beyond the physical senses, attainable to human beings through a metaphysical reasoning called a priori knowledge that is translated through a metaphysical mechanism called the mind. It is the knowledge that allows us to create entire systems of abstraction, such as geometry, because it gives us the insight to recognize that a triangle is more than just a symbol with three sides. It is a cornucopia of metaphysical connections and possibilities and literally the doorway to understanding our three-dimensional physical reality. Mathematics and language reflect the yin and yang of human consciousness, making both the infinite and its finite manifestations accessible to human consideration. From that point of view, the entire podcast is a metaphor. Understanding this metaphor will be extremely helpful in understanding the reasoning behind it. So. Let's untangle the metaphor. Generally speaking, most people fall into two categories, math people and language people. While there may be a small, limited number of people who might be equally balanced between these two dichotomies, most lean one way or the other. Math people 
tend to be very empirical, methodical, structure-oriented people. They like it when everything adds up the way it should. They are not fans of ambiguity. They find it difficult to understand why anyone would be interested in such intangible and ridiculous inquiries about things that can never be known or proven, such as the motivation for Hamlet's actions. What a complete waste of time. Math people seek pure objective truth based on pure objective reason. Everyone does not get to have their own truth or interpretation regarding the meaning of pi or the laws of gravity. What kind of world would that be? Language people often tend to be more emotional, contemplative, and expansive regarding their approach to meaning. They see a value in learning about reality through the experience of other people. For them, the real lessons of life are understood through the moral instruction of narrative stories designed to reflect the truth about our human experience. Real life is not as neat and clinical as a mathematical formula. It is messy, emotional, and full of internal conflict, requiring more than a mathematical solution. Real life requires dealing with intangible things like values, morality, and powerful conflicting emotions such as love and hate. For language people, things that add up too quickly possess no real complexity, value, or meaning. In fact, they would prefer an unexpected plot twist. For people who love communicating through language, the important things in life connect with us emotionally as well as intellectually. However, the separation between math people and language people is not so simple. We all reflect a balance between our reason and emotion. It's just that math people tend to think about things in terms of reason, valuing it above emotion as an access to truth, whereas language people tend to think about things in terms of its emotional power and influence, seeing that connection as a deeper indicator of essential truths. Reason versus emotion. Rational logic versus creative interpretation. This is one of the things that makes it so difficult for us to communicate with each other. Trying to convince a math person with an emotional argument is a waste of time. They just want to know if the argument is logical, reasonable, and makes sense. Attempting to convince a language person to make decisions based on pure logic misses the point. They make decisions based on how it feels. If it feels right and brings emotional satisfaction, it doesn't matter if it technically adds up or not. To communicate more effectively, we should be willing to learn and understand a little more about each other's language and style of communication. One of the things that we need to understand up front about language is it is a less precise form of communication than mathematics. Some mathematical and even theological concepts cannot be fully expressed through language. Only specific, limited aspects of it can be communicated effectively through the limited construct of words, meaning they can never be as fully understood as they would be in their native language of mathematics. Language invites ambiguity. Mathematics discourages it. This podcast, as a verbal form of communication, is 100% a metaphor. Therefore, we will always be dealing with some imprecise ambiguity. It is the nature of the beast. In mathematics, numbers are manipulated to get a solution. 
In language, things are talked out in order to reach a conclusion. So, with this in mind, let's talk some things out a little. We can say that sometimes reality appears to us as a kind of tangled mess of possibilities. We often experience reality as a huge bird's nest of entanglements from which we view the world. We don't really know what the nest is composed of or how it is put together. We just know that it supports us and is somehow the source of our experience. If we were human birds, we would immediately begin to question the idea of this nest. What is it made from? Where did it come from? What is the construction of it? Why was it chosen to be constructed this way? We would essentially begin to break down this tangled bird's nest into the recognizable parts that compose it in an attempt to understand its meaning and purpose. We would untangle the nest's construction in order to understand how and why it was put together in the first place. This is an example of the scientific method working within language to solve an existential problem. This is what human beings do. So let's do it. When we encounter a massive entanglement like reality, we don't try to untangle it all at once. We look for the smaller entanglements within it and start by untangling them first. We find the largest knots in these smaller entanglements and unravel them one at a time until the entire entanglement is unraveled and then we move on to the next entanglement. The more we untangle the knots in these entanglements, the more the purpose and meaning of the larger entanglement becomes accessible. We begin to see where the strings go, what they're connected to, and what their function is in the overall entanglement. It may be true that some entanglements can never be completely unraveled. However, it is also true that it is human nature to try anyway. That's why we're here. The overall nest is reality. Each individual book in the How Things Work series represents a major entanglement within the overall entanglement called reality. The main entanglement we are attempting to untangle now is science and religion. This is a major entanglement because it represents the essence of our search for knowledge and meaning. Entanglements within the entanglement of science and religion include dualism, Taoism, Western philosophy, trinities and triads, atomic theory, relativity theory, quantum theory, Judaism, Christianity, and mysticism. These entanglements are unraveled one knot at a time in the first three books. Dualism, recognizing the patterns of reality, the power of three, understanding science and religion, and the enigmatic mystery transcending the duality of science and religion. The knots in each book are broken down into individual considerations related to the overall entanglement. For example, Book 1, Dualism, is broken down into 39 considerations, or knots, related to the entanglement of dualism. Each week, we will consider at least one entanglement and unravel some of the knots related to it. For the next 39 podcasts, we will be unraveling the entanglement of duality by unraveling the 39 knots related to its influence on our reality. Next week, we will consider the first knot in the entanglement known as dualism and attempt to unravel the knot we know as the Garden of Eden, a narrative that explains how dualism imprisoned the mind of mankind or, in current terminology, humanity. 
I want to talk about the basic structure of the podcast for a minute. If you read the newsletter, and I hope you do, it is divided into three parts. The podcast follows the same pattern. The first part is a preface designed to set up the main topic for the podcast. The second part is a structured consideration of the entanglements encountered in the How Things Work book series and the newsletter. Essentially, it follows the book series beginning with book one, Dualism. The third part of the podcast is a kind of postscript designed to be more interactive about the topics discussed. This is where we discuss the entanglements and knots that are giving you trouble individually. This part of the podcast will respond to the questions and comments from the daily thread, Reality by a Thread. It is the place to ask questions you want responded to by me personally, either in the thread and perhaps on the podcast. Hopefully soon, I will expand this section to call-ins and perhaps even guests. We'll see how it goes. So this is where people can interact with the conversation about reality. And this is the part of the podcast where we will hear from the community directly about their insights and questions. However, these first few podcasts have been produced before officially starting the new thread, so that they would be ready for a summer launch with the same date. As you hear this, the thread should be now open and waiting for your speculation and inquiry. So remember, you can get access to Reality by a Thread and Untangling the Knots of Reality through my free weekly Substack newsletter, How Things Work, at frankelkins.substack.com. Until I get your first responses from Reality by a Thread, I have decided to consider some of the comments left on the How Things Work Facebook page regarding the book series. This week, I want to focus on three comments that are essentially about the same thing. This week's questions all focus on one main concern. Is it even possible to evaluate or investigate the truth about reality? And the answer may likely be, maybe not. At least, not in its entirety. For many people, if something can't be completely accomplished or understood, it is a waste of energy or even an inappropriate use of time to even attempt it. So, another way of looking at this question is, why waste time on something I most likely never will be able to completely know or understand? And that's an excellent question. In fact, each of these questions gives us an insight into the problem of dealing with such an ambiguous concept as reality. IG writes, Ultimately, The law of non-self-reference is in play here. A knife cannot cut itself. An eyeball cannot see itself, and so on. Since humans are the universe itself, there will always be an unbreakable barrier to understanding. IG makes the argument that essentially, we can never really know or understand reality because it is so entangled into our individual and collective experience and consciousness that fundamentally, we can't really see or recognize it. We are too immersed in it to separate ourselves from it. It is, in essence, the fish-in-water argument. Fish do not question the water or reality that they are swimming in. It is simply reality for the fish. However, fish do not have a proclivity for questioning their own individual existence or purpose either. They also can't change or alter their environment or reality. Human beings can and do. One argument against apathy is that human beings are built to ask these questions, whether they can be completely answered or not. 
Questioning reality is what has moved humanity forward. Unlike fish, human beings have the capacity to alter and change their reality. Human beings scuba dive. Fish do not drive on the freeway. Human beings have even completely left their original environment and reality, the Earth, to travel into a completely hostile reality and environment called space. These kinds of things are possible only because human beings ask abstract questions about abstract concepts and possibilities. Fish don't. Human beings are driven to ask questions they may not be able to answer. It is who we are, and the result is our current reality, which in many ways looks considerably different from the realities of the past, basically because people in the past asked a lot of questions that they didn't know the answer to at the time. How would you explain the Internet to someone 2,500 years ago? It would be an impossible reality for them to understand in their time. To a great extent, that is what Book 1 is about. M.M. writes, Reality is according to our limited senses. M.M. is essentially making the empiricist's argument that all reality is related to analog or physical sensations that are imported through the five senses and interpreted through the brain. However, Descartes points out that all of these physical sensations can also be experienced in dreams. There are no real physical sensations in a dream, only those projected by the mind. Therefore, while an important and critical consideration into the investigation about reality, very few philosophic or even scientific theories rely on a completely empiricist view of reality. Otherwise, even scientific theories such as Einstein's theories of relativity and quantum theory would not be possible. The transition and evolution from a purely empirical understanding of reality to a substantially abstract understanding of reality is the fundamental journey considered in Book 1 and Book 2 of the series. M.B. writes, How can you write a book series about something you do not know? Don't matter what standard you go by, even the scientific theoretical made BS. You're still left with quite a few unsolved variables. The short answer is, because it is in our nature to speculate about things we don't completely know or understand. This is the essence of what thinking is. This is one of the critical factors that separates human beings from other animals. It is our capacity to reason that makes us unique from all other animals on Earth. M.M. makes the observation that there are so many variables to consider that even science can't manage them all. And that is true. However, the unsolved variables of today might very well be the breakthrough discoveries of tomorrow. So, how can I write a book about a subject like reality that I obviously haven't completely mastered? First, I relate my observations about its historical record. I consider the knowledge gained and provided by others who have pursued this question. I share my personal understanding gained from my own experience and I ask questions about the things that I don't know or understand yet in an attempt to further the conversation. So, while we may not hold the power to know or solve everything, we do have the ability to consider, speculate, and make progress in the areas of inquiry that we choose to pursue. Hopefully, someone much smarter than me will have all the answers in the future. 
I'm just trying to do the best I can right now. Just hoping to add a few pieces to the puzzle, not complete it. And that's the final knot for this week. Don't forget to log on to my daily thread, Reality by a Thread, to make comments and ask questions that might be used on future podcasts. All right, let me give you some quick information before we go. You can subscribe to my free weekly newsletter, How Things Work, at frankelkins.substack.com. That's frankelkins.substack.com. And while you're there, you want to upgrade to Reality by a Thread, and that includes PDF versions of all the Substack editions of my books, the first of which will be out this summer. You can also check out my books on booksnotonamazon.com, booksnotonamazon.com, where you can download PDF versions of all the books. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Okay, that's it for now. See you next week as we continue to untangle the knots of reality. Next week, we'll be considering the physical world and the non-physical world. And that should be a lot of fun. We will see you next week. How things work. Be a part of the conversation.